Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier back with the latest edition of the show. And I'm really excited to have a first-time guest with us today. Uh, as our listeners know, I love introducing first-time guests to our audience. And so this first-time guest uh, is somebody who's involved in our Blue Talks brand now. Uh, she's a part of some of our other work. And so Michelle Hurlbert, so excited to have you here today. Michelle, a little different than most shows, instead of me reading a bio or anything like that, we like to actually get to know you more on a personal level. But I always get people to tell us just a little bit about who they are before we dive right in. Um, you know, so if somebody were wondering who you are, the work you do or anything like that, it doesn't have to be long, can be super short if you want. Uh, but what would you tell them about your backstory? Hi, Corey. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I guess on the, the long and short end of it is I am an educator by trade. I'm 20 years, uh, but I have also traveled during this work. I came to be in the position I am right now as the CEO founder and trainer coach at 3D Life Inc. because because of education, because of the role that I played uh, starting six years ago as a social emotional learning coach. I had gotten to be a coach for teachers who work to help them implement strategies for students for to learn problem solving skills and kind of those emotional intelligence uh, skills that we hear so much about self-awareness, social awareness, um, self-management, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. And while I was working in this role, I, I started to have my own sort of epiphany of, I'm, there are things not going well in my life right now. And I'm learning all of these, I'm, I'm kind of learning these skills as I, as I help others implement them. How does that relate to my own life? How does, how can I apply them in my own way? So I came up, I, I, I started doing my own work and realized that I really wasn't leading myself in the, in, externally. Um, I looked like I was doing okay. Internally, I was, I was struggling. Um, and so I really, I really took a deeper look into who I was and what I wanted in order to take some ownership and get off autopilot and really look at how am I leading my own life. Within that work, I realized that I wasn't alone. There are other people out there, adults, it doesn't matter how old you are, that, you know, sometimes we look to the external for those measurements of success or those measurements of, um, am I doing okay in life? And I, I wasn't, I was doing okay externally, as I said, but I was, I was struggling. And so knowing that I wasn't alone and I was taking this journey and doing this work for myself, I came to the, I came to the conclusion that this is something that more people could use. And I, because of red tape and restrictions in the education world, uh, in the education system, and it's not the only system with these restrictions, I realized I wasn't able to do my work in the way that I wanted to and knew would be more meaningful and purposeful. So I resigned from my position last March 
and started uh, rebranded and redesigned my coaching uh, business that I had started in 2019 to become 3D Life Inc. And now I focus on helping leaders become leaders of themselves so that they can show up better for others. Amazing. I love it. I mean, I love hearing about people's journeys and what sort of was the catalyst and what drove them in that direction because I've, I, it's, it's funny, more and more, it's taken me quite a while to see this, but more and more, I've started to realize how really the truest force for changing the world is small business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's funny how you hear some people, like everybody, it seems like, looks toward politics. You know, if I could get into politics, I could change everything. But it's funny and interesting when you see some people saying, I can actually do more running a business and, and, and sort of creating my own destiny to change the world in some ways. Not everybody, you know, it does, that's not the case for everybody, but some people recognize they can do more as a business owner than they could as a politician. You know, like maybe yes. as a politician, they have to go through, they have to get the agreement of 50 other people, whereas a business owner, whatever change they want to make in a lot of cases, it's the agreement of themselves or at most a business partner. Right. So, yes. so that's why I love hearing uh, small business journeys is because I think sometimes uh, entrepreneurs are the unsung hero. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And I also feel that um, a lot of people don't realize everything that goes into being an entrepreneur, like don't realize it's not as glamorous as people think. You know, I, I, I was, I forget where I was. I was, oh, I was at a retreat. Um, I was trying to remember which situation it was. I was at a retreat recently and I'm all, you know, I'm always, a bit <laughs> like, I'm always intrigued by like, when you look at say uh, like a music concert or things like that, I'm always intrigued by Oh, I, how many people came and, and how much the tickets were like, I'm always intrigued by how much money is uh, generated from one concert or what have you. And so I was at this retreat. And of course I started thinking about what I paid to be there, how many rooms there are, you know, how many, how much the person could make in a year. And I, I the numbers I crunched were probably about one and a half million, let's say at that most 2 million, but one and a half million. And so people would, you know, people on the outside would go, Oh my gosh, must be so nice millionaire running this thing. But then you start looking at the cost of all the property to buy it originally, maybe still mortgaged, I wouldn't know. But paying that, uh, paying all the staff, there were like 30 staff members, you know, just 30 staff members cost a year for salary. And, and And you go on and on, but you go down the list. And then I realized after I crunched all numbers, unless they're doing which they could be private events and separate retreats and, and doing corporate stuff every now and then. I mean, it's down to probably like maybe one hundred fifty or two hundred thousand dollars left over. Yeah, and that's and, and every, everything went smoothly. That's awesome, and that's such a great way to break it down because a lot of, like you said, a lot of people, particularly if you're not in business, don't realize they only see the the big number, they only see the potential, and and tend to not take into account the amount of operation costs and if you have employees or not uh if you if you're adding health insurance to you in your company all of those operational costs plus all of those other pieces you know if you go to retreat like you're talking about the the cost just to be at that place you know the 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 excuse me, the location uh, costs money. So the food that's provided, like all of those pieces come into play and, and cost the, the entrepreneur, cost the retreat organizer, 
so much money that we don't see or that we don't understand. Um, and when it comes right down to the bottom line, it's really not as much as what we think. <laughs> yeah. And even as the person going there, like what you're spending, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money for a short amount of time. But then to your point, um, let's say, let's say the cost works out to, let's say 500 per day, let's say, I'm just saying as an example, then you think, oh my gosh, that's why, you know, how could they charge that much? But then when you start going into, like you said, the cost to deliver the food alone, and it was three meals every day, plus a snack, you know, that alone is probably $50 a day. And so then, but then you go, Easily. and then Easily they do, 50. yeah, absolutely. Cause, and it was like, you have two or three uh, cooks preparing it. You have a server. Yeah. So I was just talking like, you know, just the core cost, but yeah, it's probably more closer to maybe a hundred. So that's 20% right there gone of what you spent. But then on top of that, they offered us three spa treatments. So they're paying the staff to deliver those spa treatments. So how much is that? And, you know, I mean, you could go down the rabbit hole pretty far to see the fact that at the end of the day, it's not as glamorous as people think. And so that was a kind of a long tangent, but it's an important conversation that doesn't get had often is that everybody thinks entrepreneurs have it made, but I mean, they don't see the backside of whenever you're building, even to that point we're talking about, because by the way, everything assumption we just made is assuming every room is full. So then the time, like what about a winter storm where the room all of a sudden for a week can't be occupied, all 13 rooms. And all of a sudden that 500 a day is gone. And so, you know, you don't factor that in and you don't, and so you don't see whenever early on the owner's putting stuff on their credit card to get, just to make it through. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and then you make a good point about the, you know, the cost of the retreat itself to the person who's going you know, when they, when they look at that price tag and think, oh my gosh, that's, you know, they're charging that much. And if, and like you said, then they do the math and they think about, okay, well, that means that they could make this much money over the course of the weekend, if it's a weekend retreat, but yeah, they, but not taking into account, okay, what are you getting for that? What is the value behind that? Plus the uh, workshops or the learning or the growth that you could, could potentially be doing as well. If, if you're going for a wellness weekend and they're offering spa treatments and great meals and you get to relax and enjoy, then plus the workshops or the sessions that you get to do to grow and expand yourself, there there's all value packed into that price. And more than likely, uh, the organizer pro- could charge more. <laughs> yeah, well, they're paying the person that did the yoga practice in the morning, to your point. Right. Three evenings we did, um, like they had workshops and they had, to, it was a different person every evening. So they had to pay them, presumably. Uh, they did a hike almost every day. And, they were, and it was actually a hiking company that they brought in to do it. It wasn't even a staff member. And then they have a grounds guy that's there 24 seven. He lives there on site, but he's working all the time. So they're paying him. Right. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's just a glimpse into being an entrepreneur because to your point, um, yeah, like, you know, when you said you realized you could do so much by going into business, I mean, people don't, like I said, people don't necessarily always see, and that's why I asked the backstory, always see what goes into being that entrepreneur though, having that passion to deliver that. And, you know, some people say is finding your purpose or passion important if you're an entrepreneur. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm sick of hearing people say find their passion. But sometimes as an entrepreneur, it's the only thing that drives you. Like, why else would you go through all this? And it's a weird comparison. And then I'll move a bit more into what you do, Michelle. It's a weird comparison, but I watched a wrestling documentary the other night called 350 Days on Amazon Prime. And it's about wrestlers. 
and how they spend like 350 days on the road a year. They said, you're not a real wrestler unless you spend 350 days. But then they talk about how they would um, take the, if they go, like they all split because how it works in that business is the wrestler's responsible for all their expenses. So what they would do, they said, is they'd be in a two bed room and they would actually take the mattress off and put it on the floor. So there's four of them staying in a two bed room and they would actually flip a coin to see who uh, two of the people would be on the mattresses, but the other two had to sleep on the Brock spring. Oh, wow. So in other words, <laughs> that sounds either, really glamorous. <laughs> yeah, it's either the floor or the box spring. You get to choose whatever you want. <laughs> but two get the mattress, but two don't. But that means like one night you're living like a king because you got the mattress, but the next night you don't. But even if even on that night, as uh, the guy with the mattress, you're still sleeping with three other people in the room snoring and everything else. Right. And then you go wrestle where you're killing your body in front of people for maybe a half hour. And then you get in the car and drive six hours while the audience went home sleeping to do it all again the next day. Right. And it goes back to this point about passion. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself through that? And in some cases, we're talking $30, $40 a night. You know, that's yeah. the other thing. People see The Rock and go, oh, well, and Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan, you know, they go, oh my gosh, I'd love that life. Yeah, if you could only be that lucky. I mean, there's only three of those guys. And then mm-hmm. there's, you know, maybe another 300 or 400 that make it to the big time that make okay money. And then there's thousands upon thousands that are driving around all over the place to perform in front of 13 people, sleep in a hotel, get paid $30 or $40 to do it, and then jump into a car, pile in with four other guys, split the rental car, and then go sleep either on the mattress or the box spring. So you you definitely have to love it. And you have to know exactly why you're doing it, what what your cause is, what your purpose is. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And so, I mean, and so we'll go dive in uh, back, you know, and, and like I said, with our uh, show, conversation can go anywhere because I love uh, learning the person's perspective on whatever the topic is at the time. But um, tell me a little bit about when you're working with somebody, what does that look like? Like, you know, what, if you're working with a client, what would a client say, this was what the experience was like when I worked with Michelle, just to give people a feel for, you know, how that work looks for you. What I've, what I've been told on various occasions has been that they have never, they never expected it to be what it was at the end. So what they get out of it at the end. And I believe that coaching is, coaching is kind of one of those experiences. I can list what the steps are. You know, you book a call with me, we work on your leadership skills and your self-leadership skills and really get you attuned to yourself so that you can help lead others. And, you know, then you show up as a more valued, inspirational, effective leader. But at the end of the, at the end of the program or at the end of the sessions with me, many clients have said, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that experience. I thought, And I think this comes back to oftentimes when we go to a professional development session or a conference or a seminar, it's a one and done. You walk in, you you glean all the information, you know, you write down, you, you write your notes, but you leave and it's over and you're expected to do the work afterwards, oftentimes on your own with just the information you've been provided on that day. If in, unless you want to dig deeper and you do your own research and then you start to implement it into your, your day-to-day work. However, my experience has been through coaching um, that 
the support that's offered and the guidance and the, the questions that get asked that, that we don't often think of ourselves, that we don't often come up with because we're not looking at it from an outside angle. We're, we're, we're sticking with who we are right now and trying to move toward a, a, a version of ourselves that this one day, for example, told us that we could be. But in order to make change, in order to grow, in order to expand, we often need that extra follow-up support, that extra those, to continue the conversations and to have someone in our corner who is going to check in with you, who is going to hold you accountable, who is going to you know, call you on your BS when you start telling yourself stories that aren't true. Um, and, and that's, I think that's the biggest influence and, and the biggest aspect of coaching is that it's that follow-up continuous supportive um, space for you to grow and expand to be better at who you are and what you do. And now with working with leaders now, what do you see if you, I mean, I know this, uh, this is uh, probably a tough on the spot question, but what do you see are the, maybe the mistakes leaders make and what do you see uh, if there's anything that stands out that you've seen leaders do really well? Probably one of the biggest things that comes up is leaders thinking that they have that they have to be that person all by themselves that they have to have all of the answers they have to solve all of the problems and feeling like they're alone in it and that's where this is where it comes like I look at that first step of leading yourself is very is is crucial is foundational to being able to lead the, the people around you because when you start to understand that who you are and what you do are not necessarily one and the same. Mm -hmm. It's much easier than to, to, to rely on people, to ask for help, to reach out and say, hey, I, we've got this problem, can we solve it together? But that, that, that's probably the biggest thing is when people feel like they're in it alone and they don't have anyone to reach out to or that they, quote unquote, can't, that they have to show up in a certain way in order to feel like they're being effective or that they're uh, capable of doing the job. That's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's, um, have you ever heard of, um, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with John C. Maxwell's work? I don't know that I am. Oh, tell, I, I, unless you tell me a book or some work, what's, what work has he done? Yeah, I mean, you have to check him out if you're not familiar with him. Uh, it's his biggest book, I think. I feel like his biggest book is The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Success. Okay. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, I'll correct that. The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, Effective Leadership, I think it is. Okay. And, but he has like maybe 40 books out on leadership, maybe. Uh, <laughs> he was voted the number two, sorry, number one. Robin Sharma was voted the number two leadership guru in the world yes. a couple of years ago. And John C. Maxwell was number one. He was one of the people. Okay. So, but John C. Maxwell, he was a, a originally a pa pastor and then, uh, then he became a leader or then he, you know, started teaching leadership and he has the John C. Maxwell um, leadership certification, stuff like that. 
Having said all that, I only brought it up just in case you're familiar with them, but John uh, Maxwell, one of his um, quotes, and I'm, I'm trying to remember, so I'm paraphrasing it best, but his quote, which I love, was something to the effect of, um, if you're a leader walking around and nobody's following you, you're really just out taking a walk. Pretty much, yes. Like, so if you have no followers <laughs> and you're a leader, then you're just taking a walk. You're doing nothing. Yes. And so, you know, he talks about the importance of um, having people that want to follow you. And one of the things he talks about, and this is what I want to get your take on, is, uh, you know, the fact that you have to be, as a leader, humbled enough to be in there doing or willing to get in there and do what you expect everybody else to do. You know, and, and this is a weird callback, but I mentioned wrestling earlier. And guy that owns the biggest wrestling company's name is Vince McMahon. You know, he's a billionaire now, uh, if he's worth a dollar. And yet, uh, earlier, and and it actually just he just wrestled at WrestleMania at seventy six. Oh my but gosh! He, like years ago, I remember this one time I seen a documentary, and um, he, there was a guy named uh, Mick Foley who's a, a big wrestler too, and uh, he was a New York Times bestselling author in that. But he was still wrestling, and he took these chair shots to the head from The Rock, who everybody does know. Uh, anyway, so The Rock did these chair shots, and Mick's lying down, and they're stitching up his head, and he said, "You know, I think we really touched a lot of people out there tonight." And then they zoom the camera over, and Mr. McMahon, the guy who owns the company, is sitting there getting his head stitched up. And he goes, "You know, Mick, I think you're right." <laughs> and it's weird, but to me, that's an example of a leader who's willing to take the shots just as much as he's expecting his people to. So what are your thoughts about the importance of your leader to be willing to do what you're expecting other people to do for you? Well, I, I truly believe that when you have someone in that leadership, that titled leadership position, and I like to, I like to say that you can be a leader without a title, but when you have someone in that leadership position who is only telling and not showing, I think that that says a lot about who they are and what they think their job is. Mm. I think, I think that there's a lot to, that can be read between the lines. I can tell you what to do, but it's your job, not mine. And, and that's, that's really where I think leadership falls flat when there isn't someone who's willing to head to the front line when it's needed uh, and, and actually see what's going on or at least touch base with people and have that connection and that human relationship with them to say, hey, what's, what's going on? How are you doing? What do you need? What are some problems? Or what are some things that are, we can celebrate? When you don't have those touch points and you only have that hierarchical system in place, then you're going to have higher turnover. You're going to have people who are not well. You will have people who are who call in sick more often. You will have people who leave and burn out and have to leave. Um, so you really need to, to be a leader that people want to be around and follow. You have to have, again, that self-leadership piece, knowing who you are and, and kind of walking the talk but you also have to show up for them and with them uh, in order to, to have them follow you. Well, I'm, I'm also right now listening to, uh, I did the summary because I haven't made the time to read the book and I'm a big book reader. Like uh, just in the last two weeks, I was crunching the numbers and I think I'm approaching 10 books. That, wow. That's abnormally high, by the way. Uh, three of those were audible. 
and the one I'm about to mention is Audible. So uh, good to great. I've had it on my shelf forever. And oh, I have such a it. great book. And I know it, I know it is. And I know <clears throat> the principles in the book. And in fact, I have been crediting somebody else with one of the principles. I thought it was uh, Jack Welsh who talked about getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. Mm-hmm. But I, I noticed it's one of the principles in good to great. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, you know, that's one thing you, that I think a good leader can do is realize, okay, well, Michelle's not thriving here. Corey's not thriving there. Instead of reprimanding them or firing them or whatever, maybe I should see if they want to be a different different seat on the bus, which is a metaphor for saying in a different role in the company. Now, and sometimes they say just moving two people that both would rather be in a different role can literally transform your whole company. But the thing I want to add as well that he talked about is he talked about, you know, this whole idea of um, leaders, I guess we'll say, understanding what their role really is. And he talked about uh, the power of promoting from within because that person understands the company. They understand the different roles that other people have had. They understand that the people that are working for them, they understand what they've gone through. Maybe they were in that role themselves. Also, the people working internally maybe have more respect because they saw the company promoted somebody internally. But having said that, we see often where companies feel they can't right the ship, if that's what you want to call it, without hiring externally. And so good to great makes the case that most of the great companies uh, hire their leaders internally. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, because of course, you and I both know, we could read that book, and he's done the work and backed it up. He's done, he's, he's done the numbers, so you can see his numbers and see his work. But uh, there's other books on my shelf, I'm sure that say, uh, you should always hire externally. You know, and so it's like right. we go to a magazine uh, rack and see two diet books that tell us the exact opposite things and both say, here's the study that proves they work. So my question out of that, Michelle, is what are your thoughts on whether hiring internally, hiring externally, does it matter? What are your thoughts around that? I believe it comes back to leaders knowing their people. And if you have a strong workplace culture in which people are connected, they feel supported, they know how they're contributing to the bigger picture, to that that company vision or their organization vision. If you know, if you take the time to know your people, then you're going to know who you have within. If you take the time to support them in growing and expanding within their role so that they can be the best that they can be in that role, then you're taking the time to get to know them better. You're taking the time for them to thrive and flourish in your company. Then you know who you have. And if you know who you have, then you're able to decide, do we need, can we promote from within or do we need to go external? I, I think that that's, I think that's a fundamental relationships and, and, and being sure that you're a leader who is on that human level reaching out to and connecting with the the people in your company, that's going to guide you and direct you into whether or not you should be, um, you could be hiring people from within your company. Um, Understanding what people want. I think that that's another piece of it too, when you're hiring people, understanding what they want to do in your business or in your organization what are their goals? What do they what do they aspire toward? Is a is a great starting point when you're a hiring, but then also cultivating and nurturing as you as they grow through your company. Um, that's going to that's going to be the best the best evidence or the best practice um, for hiring within or not. 
Well, as we start to wind down, I'm going to ask you one more question around that side. And then I have a, a couple of questions that I like to ask uh, guests that we bring on that it's the only questions that I sort of, I don't plan them, but I know roughly what direction I'll go with them. But one other question I had about um, the leadership side, which ties into personal development, I think as well. But, um, you know, I'll use this example, but um, on the airplane, course and a lot of people use this metaphor how like uh the airplane tells you that if you need to put the mask on put yours on first before you help somebody else uh you know so fill your tank before you fill somebody else's and lisa nichols when we were interviewing her she talked about how a lot of people try to say don't start filling uh from your cup until it's full and she makes the argument your cup should be overflowing so she says, wait until your cup's overflowing, because if you're filling when you're full, then you're depleting yourself. But if you're overflowing, then you have enough to give that person and still have enough for yourself. Reason I bring this up is I haven't read this book yet, but it's on my list is a book by Simon Sinek called Leaders Eat Last. And I haven't read it yet either. I've read his other ones, but I haven't read that one yet. Well, and so when I comment, I want to make sure it's, it's also clear that I'm commenting on the title only and nothing to do <laughs> yes. with the content of the book. But I wanted to ask your thought about the idea. What popped into my head because just the title itself would imply that, like I said, about you should do the dirty work if you expect somebody else to do it. And maybe what it means that I'm talking out loud, but maybe what it means is that, you know, if you're having a company meal, you shouldn't be in there eating first and setting the example. But I'm flipping on the other side and saying you can make the argument that maybe you need to fill your cup first, whatever, whatever that is. Maybe you need to eat first so then you can be there fully for everybody and not focused on that. Maybe you eat before the meal even starts. Like you had to eat it back and nobody sees you and then you're full and your tank's full. What are your thoughts? And again, it doesn't have to be around that title because I don't know if that's what the book's about at all. But um, around the idea, like what are your thoughts on that? Should you set the example and not worry about filling your tank because you need to be there for everybody else? Or do you think it is important for us to fill our tank first before we start helping other people? I think it's crucial that we fill our tank first. Uh, it's, we've been programmed and conditioned to believe that for most of our lives, that taking care of others is the best possible thing we could do in our lives. I'm not arguing with that. What I'm saying is that in order to take care of others, in order to support others, in order to show up uh, and, and help them thrive and, and grow, you need to have enough energy to do that. You need to have enough fulfillment and joy in your own life. You need to be able to have limits and boundaries on your time and your space that requires so that you're able to show up in those ways i i'll eat last as long as i am not low energy and uh feeling like i haven't gotten enough or i don't have i don't i haven't taken care of myself so yeah literally if we're looking at that title then maybe it is the leaders having a snack and from their drawer before they go down for the lunch buffet um but but I think in order to be that the kind of leader that people want and the kind of leader that many people would like to have is to fill your own cup first. And, and a lot of people, unfortunately, think that that's selfish, that sounds selfish. But like you said, the airplane analogy, if I don't have enough oxygen, how am I going to take care of the others around me? And, I, and that's, I think, where it comes back to that um, idea of when leaders think they have to do everything alone, 
that everybody's looking to them to have all of the answers and all of the things and just you tell me what to do and I'll do it, then we also expect them to be well enough to, to do that. Um, and and it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's if I give and give and give and give and give as the leader, because that's what I think the expectations are, that's what I think you want of me, then at some point I'm going to hit a wall and I'm going to not be available. I may also lack empathy towards your situation or toward the problems that are coming up for our customers or our clients because I don't have the energy to give more. So absolutely, this is why I, I talk about self-leadership and, and how self-leadership is so important because to lead others, it starts from within. It starts with you. Amazing. Well, uh, I said I had a couple last questions. One's the official last question. One's the unofficial one. The official okay. question I ask almost every guest, which is the time machine question, which is simply if you could jump into a time machine, go back and talk to a younger Michelle, give her a piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the years since. What do you think you might tell younger Michelle? Younger Michelle would be told that that you are enough, that it's okay to say no to certain opportunities, to people, that it's okay to just do you, that opportunities will come and go, uh, but you need to be, you need to be grounded and, and happy with you um, as a person, as a human being and as, and how you're making a difference in the world. And that's most important. So letting go of expectations of others, absolutely. Amazing. So Michelle, I said the unofficial question was the last one. It's simply, uh, maybe the most important, but it's simply, how can we learn more? So if somebody's been listening to this interview, they've, uh, they're, they're wanting to become a leader, they are a leader, they're, under, you know, they're, let's say, uh, confused about leadership, whatever that looks like to them. Uh, maybe they want to attend your workshop, they want to learn more about who you are. Where would you send them? Like, is there a hub or a directory or a place you would send people? I, my website is 3dlifeinc.com that's probably the best place to go and find out more. I am on Instagram at 3D Life Inc. I'm on LinkedIn as Michelle Herbert. Um, and I have a Facebook page and a Twitter account. So I'm, a, I'm around on social media, but the I would say the website's the best place to, to head for more information and to, to get in touch. Amazing. Well, we'll make sure to include that in the, uh, the description and comments below. Uh, so people can just click on the link if they want, uh, but maybe they're not, you know, accessible to click on something. So they, you know, they might just remember the name of the website, but either way, this way they have multiple ways to reach you. Uh, so Michelle Herbert, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, and with your permission, I'll call it a to be continued. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Corey. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.